What I want to talk today uh, is, is about uh, the, your, your perspective, my perspective, um, but the perspective for life in which we're supposed to have. Because, uh, and that's the title if you want to, uh, you know, you're taking notes, uh, Perspective for Life. Uh, this week we're going to start into this. This is going to be a two-part, like, tiny mini-series um, this week and next week. My hope is to develop this understanding of, of what this perspective for life is supposed to be. Um, and then next week we're going to develop, like, how to really, um, how, to, 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 uh, how to develop the, the, this, this perspective for life. So it's kind of like the what it is this week and next week is going to be how to do it. At least that's in my mind how I, I want this to, to, to go. Um, but before we start, what, what I want us to do, I want to give you a quote, a quote that uh, kind of set me back. You ever, you ever read something and um, you read, uh, as you're reading the, this, this, this phrase or this sentence or something just jumps out at you and kind of makes you do a, oh, that was good. So, sometimes when, when you're reading, it, it, it's, it, it hits you and you're like, oh, I didn't like that because it's true. Or other times, like, I really needed that because I'm dealing with whatever. Other times it's like, you know what? And I think I was talking to Jake and the guys earlier. It, it, he said it the best. Don't tell him I said that, though. Uh, he said it the best. is like, this is a truth and like we already know, but hearing it out loud is awesome. And let me just, let me share the, this quote with you. This is from J.I. Packer. Uh, if you haven't read the book, Knowing God, this is where this, this quote comes from. You have to read that book. It's, it's, it's an awesome, I call it one of my nugget books because there's so many good nuggets in it. It says this, living becomes an awesome business when you realize that you spend every moment of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent creator. Just kind of look at that quote for a second. Just, just think about that. Think about when, when life is going on around us. Sometimes we can think like, where is God in all of the craziness that's going on and all the tragedy that's happened? God is still here. God is still present. And when we take and we look and we understand, I love that, that part in here where it says, when you realize because it, 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 it's not as if God left and came back, or, and, and I, I, I love having this conversation with people like, um, well, I found God. Well, God was never lost, right? So uh, when we realize this truth, it makes all the difference in the world. And that's what we're going to talk about today is kind of like what this realization is, because it, this is part of that perspective that we have or we should have for life. Um, as I'm talking, if you want to, uh, we're going to have just two scriptures today. One's going to be in Philippians chapter 2. The other's going to be in um, Acts chapter 16. So uh, the, the Philippians 2 passage is going to be really for uh, the, the launching point. And then uh, Acts 16 is going to be where we're going to talk about um, this dude named Paul and his uh, buddy named Silas. But what I want us to do is, we, I, I want us to understand, I mean, as we're, we're thinking about this quote, and as we're, we're thinking about everything that's going on, and just that's happened in the, the, this last week, this last month, this last year, whatever it may be, what we need to understand is tragedy, death, however you want to, crisis, whatever, situation, circumstances, those are all a part of life. And even though we don't like some of them, what we have to understand is they are a part of life. What we have to, to, to understand, though, is even though that these are a part of life, this is not the life in which God designed things to be or the way in which God designed it to be. 
well, then why is it like that? Is God not in control? No, hold on. God designed things and created things in perfection. And something happened called sin that came and broke that up. So the, 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 the reasoning behind everything that, that takes place can be, I, I mean, I can, uh, I can wrap the whole sermon up in one little three-letter word, but I think we need to have a little, bit more, uh, a little bit more time together with this. But sin is the reason stuff happens. Now, don't try to get into the, an argument, well, did this person sin? Is that why this happened? Or did, this ha- did somebody else sin against it? Whatever. I don't know. I don't know all of the, the answers. I don't know all of the situations. I don't know all the circumstances. But we know that God designed humanity in perfection. And it was perfect until the, the fall, until, uh, until sin came into the world. And if we don't start, and we don't start to understand, and we start to look at things like it's not God's fault, because that's the first thing that people do. Why did God let this happen? Or why did God make this happen? We can't answer that question. The Bible is very clear. Isaiah tells us that. Job tells us that. Man, my thoughts aren't your thoughts. My ways aren't your ways. That's what God says. Well, does that mean that we just have to kind of sit back and just, you know, walk by faith? Well, yeah, in a sense. But what we have to do is we have to trust God that he knows what he's doing. Anybody in here at any point in your life have you ever messed something up? Yeah? Yeah, thanks, Dad. I'm your biggest mistake. <laughs> I know it. So, so I just say that. I'm not saying to put it back in your face, but um, you, you've made a mistake once in a while, right? Or, you, or maybe you're making it now. I don't know. God has never made a mistake. So when we look and we, what we can do and we, we see that, well, I need to trust God, you're going to hear that. Well, you can trust in the one who is, who is perfect, who is flawless. Don't try to, to uh, measure up God by your understanding of the way perfection should be. Because we can't think that way. God's thoughts are beyond the way in which we can comprehend. We can't comprehend um, something called eternity. Right? Try, try to wrap your head around forever and ever and ever and ever. Try to wrap your head around timelessness. We can't do it. God transcends. I mean, he, he is above all. He is separated from creation. Hold on. He's, he's transcendent, but he's also imminent, meaning he's separated. He's above all, but he's also personal in his creation. And I think that we have to kind of get this, uh, our, our heads starting to, to uh, wrap around this because what happens um, when tragedy happens, when uh, situations at home or at work or at school or wherever it may be, when those things happen, um, our response is vitally important. And I'm going to use the word response very intentionally because our response is not a reaction because a response um, takes some, 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 some training to, uh, to, to, to back it up, to, to form it. A reaction is something that is just right, it's like what we say, a gut reaction, a knee-jerk reaction, more emotionally driven. So we need to make sure that we have a, a proper response when, when tragedy, when crises are happening, happening all around us. Because if we don't... Um, the most, <laughs> the most damaging people can be those Christians that think that they have the answers. Because what they try to do is, oh, that happened because this, 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 and this, and this. Well, 
you don't know why that happened. We, we don't know why the, the, the Michaelic boy did what he did. We, we don't know why. It doesn't matter if you spent every, every second with that family. You still wouldn't know why. You're not in that head. What we still have to understand, what we need to make sure is, is paramount, is that we don't try to give all the answers. A- anybody know somebody like that? Don't you, somebody like, I don't want to raise my hand because he's sitting right next to me. <laughs> right? No, I'm standing up here. Um, no, but, but sometimes we just feel like, oh, i got to give the answer. No. What we have to understand is, in, in, in these times... You're not equipped with all the answers. It's okay. But you are equipped, and you should be equipped with the right perspective. And and that's what we have to to, to kind of get our our minds around, is being equipped with the right perspective. So my big idea, like the whole purpose of what I want to, this one point that I want to get across today is this. Your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ is to respond to the events of life with a God-honoring perspective. So, so one more, I'll read this again. Your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ, so responsibility, that means your responsibility. Not, now, we can't impose that on anybody else. Think for yourself here, your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ. I'm talking to believers in Jesus Christ. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, we want you to be a believer in Jesus Christ. But understand, this is for believers, and and this isn't like something that I made up. This is what what God says. Remember last week we said that we we ended with uh, uh, when Jesus asked, or when, when, when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. So this, this kind of fits right into the, the, this understanding. Your responsibility as a believer in Jesus Christ is to respond to the events of life. So there's a response to an event in life. So understand that a non-response is a response. If you don't respond to something, you're, you're effectively responding with your non-response. What well, doesn't mean that sounds like an oxymoron? No, you vote with your presence. You vote with with, with, with your response too. You always got that. I don't have to keep on going. So your responsibilities as a believer in Jesus Christ is to respond to the events of life. What with a God honoring perspective? With a God honoring perspective. That's the key here. It's not what I think. It's not what the church thinks. It's not what Jake thinks or my beautiful loving wife. That is awesome, thanks. I'm always trying to butter up, right? It's not what anybody else thinks. It's what God thinks. It's a God-honoring perspective. And this God-honoring perspective is what is called a biblical worldview. And I'm going to use that terminology there, biblical, very intentionally. I'll explain that in a minute. But what some of you are like, well, uh, what, what's a worldview? Now we're going to get in philosophy and start. Every single one of you has a worldview. Every single one. Well, I, I don't even know what, the, what, what that term means. It doesn't matter if you know what it means. Every single one of us has a worldview. I'll give you a, 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 the textbook definition of it, and you'll be like, oh, okay, that makes more sense. A worldview is how one views or interprets reality. It's the framework through which or by which one makes sense of the data of life. So it's starting to make sense a little bit? You're like, oh yeah, wait, I do, I do have that. It makes, a, it makes a world of difference 
hence worldview, it makes a world of difference in one's view of God, origins, evil, human nature, ethics, whatever, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It determines how you view things. That's why I'm talking about this perspective for life. It's you must have, we as believers in Christ must have a biblical worldview. Because when we don't have a biblical worldview and we wave the banner of of Christian, what we do is we end up doing more damage than we do good. Now, why am I saying biblical worldview? If you're looking at at that passage in Philippians chapter 2 verse 5, this is, this is where I want us to kind of get our heads wrapped around this, this, this thought here. Because in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, it says this. Paul says, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I, I, I love this, um, th- this thought that it's, it's, it, it, it's a, a part of your mind. You have to think about it. So when we talk about we are to love God with all our heart, our soul, our mind, and our strength, we're not to walk around aimlessly and, and, and dumb, like, oh, I'm a Christian, just kind of like goofy. We have, it's, it's a cognitive thing that takes place. So he says here, Paul says here, have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. I, I love how the New, the, or the, uh, New Living Translation uh, translates the same verse. It says this, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So this mind, that that attitude in which Christ Jesus had. Now, some of us could sit here and say, well, you know what? That's easy for the Apostle Paul to say, because he wrote the Bible, right? He wrote parts of the Bible. We're going to see in a minute, if anyone had the right to not have this mind that Christ had, it would be the Apostle Paul. But let's, let's talk real quick about this, this distinction, um, this distinction between or, or of a biblical worldview. And, and, and I'm stressing this biblical aspect of it. And I'm, you notice I'm not saying Christian. I'm not saying Christian worldview. And, 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 and hear me on this, please. The reason I'm not using Christian worldview is because I think that that, that term Christian has, has, um, has a lot of extra baggage, has taken on some, 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 um, just some gray areas, some ambiguity that, that we can't really explain and we don't know why happens. We don't really, some people are like, well, I have a Christian worldview, but there's really no focus or there's no source of it. It's just, well, this is what I think or this is just what I feel. You ever had that conversation? You can't, you can't have a, 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 a conversation with someone on a logical level if they're going to go off of, why well, feel this way? Because you can't argue their feelings. You don't know how they feel. So I, I'm going to say that, that when, we, when we're talking about this worldview, it's not a Christian worldview, although some of you might say, well, it's the same thing. For our sake and our time together, it's a biblical worldview. Why? Because we know where the focus and the source is. It's on the Bible. Everything that we get is going to be from Scripture. It's not going to be what what I say or the church says or maybe the dude on TV says. No, this is what the Bible says. So it's a biblical worldview. And I I think that it's important because it clarifies some things. It clarifies a lot of it. So what is a biblical worldview with that understanding that I gave you? Just look at it like this. It's the framework for interpreting reality as God communicates it. So a biblical worldview 
is the framework for interpreting reality as God communicates it. Now, some will say, well, I don't understand how God communicates. This, this is what he, which God has given us, the Bible. This right here is God's communication about himself to his creation. This is how God communicates to us. So if we're going to understand like what a biblical worldview is, we have to understand it's what God has already communicated to us. Some of you are like, well, you know, I just kind of run off my emotions and my feelings, and I ain't got time to read. But well, here's a different, here's the deal. If you want to know what God says, it's already it's all right here. It's right here for us, and it's not it's supposed, supposed to be something that is, you know, laborious or adds a burden to us. It's here for us to, to have the perspective of understanding how this framework of all this craziness that's going on in our life, how we're supposed to deal with it. Because God has communicated to us every situation, every situation that we're going to encounter, we can have a perspective that's God-honoring. Well, that, you can't say that, Lee, because computers, wasn't, they weren't in, invented back in that time. <laughs> principles, principles transcend time. The principles that are, are given forth and are communicated by God apply today more than ever. So when we're looking at the, the biblical worldview, it's the framework for interpreting the reality as God communicates it. Why is this important? It's important because the way in which we um, understand life, it, it, it helps us to understand this, these crazies that are going on. It doesn't matter if you're 15 or 50 sitting in this room right now, the craziness of, crazinesses of life are affecting you. How are you dealing with them? That's the question. How are you dealing with them? Yeah, how yeah, not you. How yeah, how are you dealing with them, right? You, you have to, because if you, well, I'm not dealing with them. You're still dealing with them. Not dealing with them is dealing with them. It's dealing with them in a very unhealthy way, but it's still dealing with them. We have to understand that when, we, when, we, when we're going to deal with anything in our life, God has communicated already to us how we're supposed to and how we can. Don't look at it like it's a, um, a, a template and you have to form into this, this template for this situation. Look at it as a principle for life. God gives us the principles in which we, we, we need that we must make these decisions because if we're going to say, I'm a Christian and, I, and I'm following God with all my heart and all my soul, with all my mind and with all my strength, it takes responsibility on our part. So I, I look at this and, and I, I love this, this understanding of a biblical worldview. It says a biblical worldview is not just one's personal faith expression because that's, that, that's what some people say, well, that's... It's just, that's just my faith, and I can hold on to how I, I feel and I believe. But hold on a second. Because a biblical worldview is not just one's personal faith expression, not just a theory. It's an all-consuming way of life that's applicable to all spheres of life. Your way in which, our way in which we view life affects what we do in life. So it's so very important to understand that we need this worldview. Because when we get into tough situations, if we don't have a biblical worldview, what we're going to do is kind of just roam around and grasp at whatever sounds good at the time, which is going to cause more hurt, more pain, more suffering. 
Don't, don't hear me say like a, a biblical worldview is going to make you immune to pain. No, it's going to help you deal with it appropriately. If you, if you have your finger there, look at um, Acts chapter 16. Because what I wanted to do, I, I thought as I was preparing this this week, I was like, you know what, I can talk about this. But I think there's an application that is necessary, like a, 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 an example, a real-life story that is necessary of someone who had a biblical worldview, and because of their biblical worldview, this, this happened. If, you, uh, if you're in 16, um, what time is it, 11.20, uh, I'm, I'm going to read starting in... Uh, how about this? I'm just going to start at 16. I, 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 I'm sorry, Mike. I know I said 25, I think. Did I say 16? 16, yeah. 16, 16. Um, it says this, as we were going to a place of prayer. So this is Paul and Silas. They're in um, the, 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 this uh, province, this, this area uh, called Philippi. If, if you're thinking about, well, Philippi, that sounds kind of familiar. Philippians, the book of Philippians was written to the people, to the churches in Philippi. So same, same, uh, same area here. This is um, way before Paul wrote the book of, or the letter to the church in, in, in Philippi, or the book of Philippians. He, this is his time that he, when he was there. He says, as we were going to the place of prayer, we were met by a slave girl who had a spirit of divination and brought her own, her owners much gain by fortune telling. Uh, that's, that's demonic Understand fortune telling, uh, tarot card reading, uh, palm reading, anything like that. That's the, 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 that would be wrapped up in divination. It's demonic. And this is an encounter with um, the, 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 the dark realm, let's just say that, with darkness here. It says, she followed Paul and us, crying out, these men are, are servants of the Most High God, which is always funny to me, that the ones in Scripture, if you read through Scripture, you'll see that this, that this comedy that kind of unfolds. The ones who get it right about who Jesus is all the time, 100% of the time, are the demons. <laughs> they, so, I mean, that, that shows us, like... The demons don't say, well, this God doesn't exist. This Jesus isn't really who he says he is. No, they're the ones saying, that's the dude. So just, just let that kind of sink in a little bit. So this, this, this girl, she was saying, these are our servants of the Most High God who proclaim to you the way of salvation. I love this because the demon is sharing the gospel. Uh, ain't that cool? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, like. Paul ain't got to do nothing because this demonic girl behind him is doing his work for him. Uh, later you're going to be laying in bed, you're going to be like, oh, I got it. He's not too crazy. Yeah, I am. Um, and this she kept doing for many days. This wasn't just a one-time thing. It kept on happening for many days. Paul, and I, I love this because this would be me. Paul, having become greatly annoyed, <laughs> turned and said to the spirit, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come out of her. And it came out of her that very hour. But when her owners saw that their hope of gain was gone, they seized Paul and Silas and dragged them into the marketplace before the rulers. And when they brought them to the magistrates, they said, these men are Jews and they are disturbing our city. They advocate customs that are not lawful for us as Romans to accept or practice. 
The crowd joined in attacking them, and the magistrates tore the garments off them and gave orders to beat them with rods. And when they had, when they had inflicted many blows, when the snot was beat out of them, how about that? There was no, um, uh, what is that called, the, the ACLU or whatever, Mothers of America or any, any organization to step in saying, the Geneva Convention, none of these organizations were able to step in and say, well, that's a little bit too much. No, they inflicted many blows. Where am I at? Uh, 22, 3. Inflicted many blows upon them. They threw them into prison, ordering the jailer to keep them safely. <laughs> it's funny, right? Keep, keep, keep them safe. We're going to throw them in it, but keep them safe. Having received this order, he put them into the inner prison and fastened their feet in the stocks. So understand this. The Apostle Paul um, led by the Holy Spirit, is in Philippi proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. He's, going, he, he's sharing the, the message of salvation, and he is, is confronted with a very, um, what we would say, a very, very bad situation, right? He was beaten and thrown in prison. I think his, his, his day was, was ruined at that point. So Yeah, just a little bit. So this, this is pretty, I mean, maybe you're not facing, we are not facing being beaten and put in prison. Maybe it's another, it's job related or it's family related or it's school related or whatever it may be. You're facing something. Now, the reason I bring this up is because the way in which Paul responds in the face of this adversity is with this, this worldview, this biblical worldview, this understanding of, of, of his response has to be, in, 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 um, yes, it has to be God honoring. Look at this in verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. <laughs> Think about that. They just got the snot beat out of them, right? They were stripped, they were beaten, they were thrown. And what are they doing? They're praying. If, we, if it would just say praying, maybe some of us would think that they're, they're crying out to God, oh, God, help heal my wounds, and oh, I just, I, I, I just want to serve you. I'm just trying to do We would think that that would be the type of prayer if it didn't say, and singing hymns, right? They were rejoicing in what had happened. Wait a second, Lee. You're trying to tell me that it wouldn't, you know, when something bad happens, I'm to rejoice? I, I'm not saying that you got to jump up on the rooftop and start singing Amazing Grace or whatever it may be. But we can look at here, we can look here at Paul and Silas and we can see that their response was not what we would think it would be. Because their perspective of life was different. It says here that about midnight Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God and the prisoners were listening to them. It, and this is just a thought. And this, this, is, this is extra here. This just popped into my mind. We don't want to ever think this thought, but have you ever thought maybe that, that, maybe that crappy situation that you're in, God allowed that to happen so that you could be the light of the world, that little spark to someone else that needs it? Just, just think about that. As I'm reading this, I'm like thinking, like, so Paul and Silas, they're in the inner prison. And because of that bad thing that happened to them, we're going to see a great thing come, out, come from it. It says, 
and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken and immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bonds were unfastened. When the jailer woke and saw that the prison doors were open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself, supposing that the prisoners had escaped. And some of you are like, well, what's the big deal? Why did he just tell him, hey, I had nothing to do with it? His job, his sole purpose in life was to make sure that, the, that those prisoners were in the, the, the prison. So if they were to escape, his, his superiors would have killed him. So he was just trying to take matters into his own hands here. Thinking that everybody's escaped, he was going to kill himself. But Paul cried out with a loud voice, Do not harm yourself, for we are all here. <laughs> think about that. Just think about that jailer. He's, he's thinking, man, all hope is lost. Well, I'm at the end of my life. It's dark. I ain't got nothing to live for. And then here's this voice. Hey, don't do it. We're still here. There's still hope. Still got a purpose. And the jailer called for lights and rushed in, and trembling with fear, he fell down before Paul and Silas. Then he brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved, you and your household. And they spoke the word of the Lord to him, and to all who were in his house. That's important because some people say, well, see, that, that, that just shows like if one person's saved in a house, then all the house is automatically saved. No, everybody has to make their own decision for Christ. But what, what that's pointing out is if God is in the house, if God is, is, is the head of the house, and if, if God is the one who's being followed by the head of the house, dudes, I'm talking to you. If, then, then it says that, that, that more than likely the house will be saved because what's going to happen is God's going to work through you to your wife, to your children, to those you come in contact with. And, they, and he took them in the same hour of the night and washed their wounds and he was baptized at once. He and all his family Here's another cool thing. I just kind of popped in my head as I'm reading this. The same water in which he washed their wounds is the same water in which he was baptized in. That, that, that's, that's, that's pretty big. That's, that's a, a, a sign and a show of, man, I, I'm, I, it's, it's humility. I, I'm, I'm all in. I, I was a part of the wounds. Now I, I want by that same cleansing water. I want to be cleansed of my sins. It washed away all the, the, the blood and, and the dirt and the nastiness from your wounds. I want it to wash away all the dirt and the blood and the nastiness and the sin from my life. Then he brought them up into the house and set food before them. And he rejoiced along with his entire household that, they, that he had believed in God. I, you know, I, I look at this, and, and, and the reason I wanted to use this is because yeah, this is a pretty bad situation in which he's in. We, each one of us, can, can, can take and insert ourselves into this situation. And then we need to ask, maybe it's a situation which you're in right now, but you need to ask yourself, am, am I responding by honoring God? 
Am I responding in a way in which those around me are going to say, I want what he has or I want what she has? Because this, this dark situation in which you're in, and I, and I love when, I don't know who was the first one to say this, but whatever. The dark situation that you're in, in the darkest of areas, the light shines the brightest. So when, we're, when, when, when the, the psalmist says, um, even though I walk to the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. So sometimes, and, and please don't hear me, I'm not trying to imply that God causes bad things to happen, but sometimes God allows bad things to happen so a light can go into a dark situation. What we have to understand is we are that light. We are the light. We are the ones where we're the, the light that, that or the, the, what, what, what uh, um, the gospel say, the, the city that's set on the hill, the light for the world. We're the light. We shine as the light, as God shining through us in those dark situations. As we step away from Paul and Silas and, and their their view of, or their perspective of, of life and how they responded in this situation. Three things I want to end with. You can call them applications. You can call them truths. You can call them things. I don't care. I think there's three things that are important to understand about a biblical worldview. A biblical worldview, the first one here, is a biblical worldview provides a proper filter in which to view the world around us. Why is it a problem? Why can't I make my own worldview? <laughs> Trying to understand life and excluding the author of life is just going to cause frustration. It's going to cause more questions and uncertainties and graspings. So a biblical worldview provides a, a, a proper filter in which we are to view the world around us. The second thing, and I like this one, I think it... Well, I like them all, but this one here, a biblical worldview is not just a belief. So a biblical worldview is not just a belief, it is a motive for action. What does that mean? Because you believe this way, it motivates you to do something about it. Next week, we're going to talk about two, uh, two, two different words that, that you're going to... Uh, some of you will Google them this week. Some of you will not. But we're going to talk about orthodoxy and orthopraxy. Right belief and right practice. Because it's understanding that both of those are involved in a biblical worldview. It's understanding that, that this is not just, I believe this way. Fine, you can believe however you want, all right? That's going to motivate you to action. What actions are you taking? This last one. A biblical worldview is necessary. Why is it necessary? It's necessary to communicate God's love and hope during the events of life. How are you going to communicate what God says or what God thinks or God's way if you don't know what that is? How are you going to communicate and show God's love and communicate God's hope if that's not the, the, the perspective in which you have? It's important it's not just important so we can get together and we can feel all righteous and, oh, I'm good, you know. No, it's important because you're here for a reason. 
God has purpose for every single one of us. And it's different for every single one of us. That's why he made us different. Some pretty, some ugly. Not, not implying anything, Jake. I got him back for you, Dad. <laughs> every single one of us, God has made us for something. He's designed us for something. And understanding that a biblical worldview is necessary. It's necessary to communicate God's love and hope. We have to have this worldview. Because I, I believe it. I believe that every single one of you want, want to do what we talked about last week. And you want to be a disciple of Christ. This is part of being a disciple of Christ. It's having the mindset, the mind of Christ. Have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus. That's why Paul can say that in Philippians chapter 2 because when he writes the book of Philippians and he says, have this mind among you, the world was going crazy all around him. And the reason that, that, that Paul had validity and had the power behind saying those words is because they knew when he was there, he got his, his, his butt kicked and thrown in prison. He wasn't treated well. But nonetheless, he says, have this mind among you which is yours in Christ Jesus. And he talks about peace and unity and love. When, we, when we, uh, we are confronted with the things of life, the situations that everybody's going to face, big or small, the way in which we respond is determined by the way in which we view the world. I want to I end with a quote. Remember that quote that I gave you at the beginning? I want to end with that because I'm, I'm hoping that it, this, this will kind of bring some, some, some loose ends in your mind together. Living becomes awesome business. Your life, everyday life, that's what he's saying. Living becomes an awesome, this is awesome in the true sense of the word, not in which we use it and, and kind of uh, every other word out of our mouth is awesome. No, this is awesome, awe-inspiring, awe-struck. Living becomes an awesome business when you realize, make real, that you spend every moment, every second of your life in the sight and company of an omniscient, omnipresent, and I would add in there, omnipotent and all-powerful creator. Let's pray. Our Father God in heaven, um, God, I, I pray as we've just, I, I think, just kind of scratched the surface a little bit with, with um, understanding what it means to, to, to view your uh, creation, our world around us. My, my prayer is that, that when we, when we have since we've just scratched the surface, that we can start to think about, like, am, am I? Am I viewing the world around us through the way in which God has communicated to me, to us, how to view it? God, I know that everybody's at a different level in their walk and everything with you, but God, I, I know this for, uh, uh, for, for certain, that you make known what is needed for our every step of our life. God, let us trust you for that. Let us seek. If we don't have the answers and we're, we're still trying to, to figure out things, let us seek wise counsel. God, let us just uh, press into you. And Lord, let, let us see, let us see what you see. And let our response be honoring to you. Father, we pray this in your name, Jesus, Holy Spirit, all of you. The Godhead that is present right now. 
We love you. Amen.